Hank's alive! How do we know she is alive? I hate when people talk during the movie. No wire hangers ever! You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Your stupid minds! Stupid! Stupid! Relax. It's all in bad taste. Hello everyone and welcome to Bad Taste Buds, the podcast where we talk trash about the very best of bad cinema. I'm your host Liam Stainsby and joining me today we've got the ever so stunning Jack. Give the audience a wave Jack. They can't see anyone. Give the audience a wave Jack. Okay I'm waving. <laughs> and not, though. I am waving. Vigorously. They don't know. I want to tell the audience that he's actually not waving. They don't know I'm not waving. Commit to the act Jack. Commit to the audio Format, Hannah. That's actually a really good point. If he starts waving and like knocks all these wires out, I will be very kind of upset about that. <laughs> uh, you can hear uh, Hannah, Hannah there, um, his better half, joining us as well. Say hi. Hello. And uh, last but not least, uh, we also have the vestiges of Normie Malone's career going down the toilet sink. And by Normie Malone, I mean Elizabeth Burke. He does. Poor, poor, that would that be Ryan joining us as well. So we've got the full crew here hi. today. Um, and we are talking about a very special film for all of us. Well, for me and Ryan uh, at the very least, but I'm hoping also for, for Jack and Hannah by the end of this. I'm excited. Sort of session. I'm not excited. <laughs> Jack's never excited. Jack's excited for his nap. <laughs> pretty, pretty, uh, pretty buzzed to get I don't his know nap what order these are being released, but yeah, if you're not aware, I do have a tendency to fall asleep during films. Don't worry, he's going to nap through all of them. It doesn't matter really about the order. Like he's yeah, going to nap regardless. <laughs> don't bother remembering them. It's fine. I mean, hopefully you enjoyed the uh, the first episode we released on Troll Two, and if you've also um, heard the supplementary episode on Best Worst Movie, that is brilliant. If you haven't, go back and give those a listen. But today we are in for a fun one. I know Ryan, this is kind of a very kind of special film for your uh, for, for your kind of history with Best Worst Films. Yes, an introduction of. Showgirls, obviously, this is renowned for being a famous Hollywood debacle. Showgirls stars Elizabeth Berkley playing her first tearaway role from the teen character Jessie in Saved by the Bell. Elizabeth, playing Normie Malone, tries to make it big in the adult entertainment industry in Sin City. <laughs> when she why arrived, are you doing this so sexily? Because like, it's a sexy movie. Is it? Is it? It's, it's supposed to be. When she arrives and witnesses the misogynistic and dangerous catfighting <laughs> and the excessive drugs Normie begins to lose her way only she doesn't because she's she's a monster from beginning to end I'm really excited for this um, I, I know me and, me and you've seen this Jack and Hannah you are showgirls virgins um, what is your kind of what's your perspective what, what do you not know or know going into kind of seeing this for the first time I, all I really know about it is it's gratuitous nudity and basically mm. just like a, a very long bitch fest from the sounds of it from what I've heard from you guys, anyway, it just sounds like just a total bitch fest. There's a lot like, of that for like two hours. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, you got the nudity spot on. It's like one of the main pitfalls, I think, of this and, and why it kind of became so famous in the annals of Best Worst is its approach to sex and its approach to sexuality was so ridiculously overt at the time that it was. I mean, even today, if this was released today, this, this would be like such a strange cultural zeitgeist in, in the sense that it's such a massively kind of almost feminist but also misogynistic at the same time. It's a it's a strange film to watch. It's a strange kind of experience from beginning to end. I do want to say anyone who's sat there thinking, "Oh no, nudity's fine. Like, be liberal with sex. Mm. Like, I am sexually liberal. Oh yeah, but I do not believe anybody, and I mean anybody, <laughs> has sex like this. And if you do, you are doing it wrong. It's ask <laughs> for help. It's one. It's one of those things again. Like similar to Troll Two, I think it's like it's sex from the perspective of an alien who's never experienced sex before, and you're kind of watching it like. I don't think anyone involved in making this film has ever has ever either been turned on before, had sex with anyone before, even seen a <laughs> naked body before, because it's just one of those 
Maybe the director also has a film with a girl with three boobs in it. Is that not correct? Is that not true? Uh, it's oh, right, yeah. yeah. So course. just kind of getting on to who, who made this, it's, it's Paul Verhoeven, who, the really strange angle as far as best worst goes, because this is coming from the annals of, of a very esteemed director. Like he's very, very held, held in very high esteem in the circle that he ran. He kind of made some very, very popular science fiction movies during the eighties. Obviously, Total Recall, my favorite, Robocop, Robocop, uh, Basic Instinct, Starship Troopers. Oh my god, Starship Troopers yeah. is the best. And what he's known that for, I didn't realize. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, oh shit, he's right. got a, an extensive back catalogue, even kind of before the science fiction stuff of all of his work in. I'm going to get the country wrong. Was it Denmark that he was? I think it was Denmark. Yes, Hannah's giving yeah. me a nod. I'll take, I'll take your word for it. But I'm going to say Denmark. And if I'm wrong, I'm sorry to everyone who's from Denmark <laughs> attributing Paul Verhoeven. Denmark's Dutch, right? Oh, careful. We don't know geography well enough to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we don't know our own continent well enough. <laughs> yeah. We're so, British. We're very geographically ignorant, typically. Yeah. Sorry about that. In but he advance. also did things like Hollow Man. He's. Which, like, which is terrible. Yeah, terrible. it's it's not not the best. No, he's very he, he's known for his satire. Anyway, he's he's he like he's a director who likes to push buttons. He's a director who likes to kind of push the envelope in the sense that everything is. I mean, you guys have seen Robocop and you've seen Starship Troopers. It's violent. It's gratuitously violent. Hannah's shaking her head. She's not seen it. It's been a long time since I've watched Robocop, but I have seen it. Yeah. I, I watched Total Recall a lot as a kid and I had it on DVD. It's great. I really enjoyed it. I was big into my Arnie films as a kid, though. Like, that and... Yeah. I mean, Arnie obviously helps, but the thing with Americans is it's violence. It's absolutely fine. It's not an issue. But then when it comes to sex, the source, Ooh. the more squeamish than the British that, are. No, I think, that's, I think that's across the pond as well. I think we have such a weird relationship with sex, and especially sex in media and, and sex in film, where that's, that's vilified, but you can blow a guy's head up and that's totally fine in a way and yeah. i think a lot of the failings of this film a lot of the reason this film did so poorly is because people weren't almost weren't ready for it like it's still satire it's still he's still, a lot of what makes paul verhoeven's films brilliant you watch stuff like robocop you watch stuff like starship troopers it's all there in this film and i know me and ryan had a few conversations off mic about whether or not this even is classed as a bad film it's sort of split isn't it that's sort of like i've not seen the film so I've, I've got no sort of preconceptions of it just yet but just from reading about it there's there's a lot of split critics of people thinking, is it brilliant or is it terrible? <laughs> like, right, uh, no, there doesn't seem to be any sort of consensus. No. It's very much up to the individual at the moment, I think. Well, it's a 4.9 on IMDb, and I think it's 21% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. So going into this, mm. I was adamant that it was a terrible movie. My favourite terrible movie, but mm. a terrible movie. Liam went into it, like praising it and trying to convince me that it was a good movie yeah. and that certain points were being missed. By the time we finished like rewatching it and watching the documentary again, we both came to the conclusion that we both think it's a good movie and a bad movie. Well, this is the thing. Like, I think the things he gets right. I mean, he's a virtuoso when it comes to to great satire. Like, I will go on record to say stuff like Starship Troopers is such a, it's such a biting satire of society, and I think this hits just the same. Like, you look at the reaction it got, and you look at the reaction Elizabeth Berkeley got as an actress. I mean, she was like heckled, she was booed, she her entire career was ruined because she decided to do an extremely sexy, like, provocative role on film. The film confronts misogyny within the entertainment industry. It almost is like a, like a life-imitating art situation where everything the film tried to, to discuss almost came true. And it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, in a sense. Like, I think it's still brilliant in every way that makes any other Verhoeven film brilliant. But it also happens to be almost misread i'm I, i'm still i, I reverted back so as ryan was saying like we, we had this discussion whether or not it's, it's good and we all kind of came to the middle why can't we both i still think it's better i think it's verging more on good than it is bad personally i'm slightly the other way still. i think ryan's slightly yeah you're kind of verging on it's bad i think this is a very misunderstood film regardless 
Yeah, I agree. If it wasn't, my issues are mainly the, the fact that this is an alien <laughs> telling us what sex looks like. Music, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is right. So I will, I will go with you on everything apart from the directing. Then, no, the directing's good. Again, the actual you... budget's good. The cinematography's quite good in this. It's budget, very bright. The budget was higher than what it made in box office, wasn't it? it well, yeah, was, it, it wasn't a small budget film, especially considering it was released in like what nineteen ninety five. Forty five million dollar budget, and it made yeah. twenty mil back. That's that got hurt. But it made over a hundred million in in video rentals. So has it? Yeah. Oh no, yeah. It's, it's, so it's the gays love it. We love it. It's got. It's got a massive, massive cult of appreciation within the LGBT community. I mean, you watch like uh, there's lots of drag shows in America that yeah. do like retellings of the story. There was a musical. There was like a showgirls the musical thing that came out. This is where I've heard it from. Is is sort of from the the drag side of things yeah. first, and so I've I've got sort of high expectations for it to be very lavish, and yeah. very sort of you know, <laughs> over something. the top. Because like yeah, you're right, Hannah. So on on, on release, it was a bomb. But then it made its money back pretty succinctly through the, the <laughs> whole video market, and I think. I don't know about you guys, but I think that the main angle that I'm coming from, the reason I think it was a bomb, is it is almost solely on that NC-17 rating. I mean, the bad reviews didn't help. The, Definitely. Um, the distributor United Art... Um, artists. <laughs> the, the, United Arseholes. <laughs> yep. The distributor United Artists also sent like several hundred people across theatres all over the North of America to ensure that it was as well. Anyone below 17 definitely didn't get in it. So the, uh, the security on this film was also like shit hot. Like it's... Really? So, yeah. Was um, Basic Instinct the same age rating? Oh, you know what? I think that might have been an R because that came out after, this right? This was the I only... Basic Instinct was 1992. I could be wrong. Well, uh, I thought I... it came out earlier than So this, this one was the first and apparently today the only NC-17 film Oh, no, shit, Jack, you're right, yeah. a wide release in so, mainstream theatres. Yeah, no, Jack, you're right. So yeah, the, it, it came out before because I remember Basic Instinct was him like toying with this idea of sex on screen and then Showgirls was his way to say it. Like, just, yeah, I'm it fucking going for it. May 92. But like, based on that, either Basic Instinct was an R or it wasn't released as wide as Showgirls. I can't remember what, what the actual, um, whether or not it was or not, but um, I actually hate Basic. I don't know if you guys have seen Basic Instinct. I've never Basic seen it, no. Fucking sucks. The, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going on record to defend Verhoeven as, as he's, he's not perfect. He's, he's not a... Who is? Who, who is in these days? Basic Instinct was given an NC-17 rating initially, but then under pressure from loads of companies, Verhoeven decided to cut about 30 to 45 seconds of it right. to turn it into an R rating. That makes sense. So that's what I've got as official release as. Right. right. So it was kind of... Yeah, he was definitely trying to cut the, push the boundaries with Basic Instinct. I don't think he was allowed to until Showgirls then by that logic. Clearly had a chip in his shoulder from yeah, that. I mean, you would. Studio interference is always so right. That I think, especially for a director like Verhoeven, who does like satire, who does like kind of push boundaries, being told no probably isn't the best way to approach them. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, a, it's an ugly, ugly film. Let's not mince words. It's the least sexy film you'll ever watch in your entire life. <laughs> but I almost, again, wonder whether that's the point. But no, I'm pretty sure that Verhoeven thinks that this is sexy and that things that happen in it are sexy. Like Gina and Elizabeth's characters have a scene together and... It's supposed to be sexy, and I believe Verhoeven thinks it's sexy, and it's it's not from my perspective. I don't think anyone's perspective thinks that it's sexy, but the fact that he believes that it is contributes to why this, this is bad. This is not we, good. This is where we're going to disagree, because again, I think in order for good satire to work, and I think this is good satire, it has to reflect the cultural zeitgeist that is there at the time, and especially in the 90s, and even today, like it, it does. It captures femininity, it captures misogyny, it captures sexuality. What it does is it portrays them at their most extreme. It, everything is dialed up to 100 in this film. But what you guys will come to realize when you watch it, it's from beginning to end, everything is played at one 
120 fucking percent. Like, there's nothing subtle about this film, and that's the point. So I think everything where it's where the sex is so disgusting and the sex is so kind of unsexy is the point. Yeah, on a scale of Shea Coulee to Vanessa Vanjie Mateo, it's constantly at a Vanjie. It's it's not well that Jack that, that, that reference went right over the wall. I think that went right over the <laughs> oh, wall. Jack. I know they're drag queens. I just don't watch RuPaul. He doesn't need to. You just sit back there, Hedy. Okay. <laughs> but like kind of alongside watching the film today, we're also gonna have a little look at the documentary that came out in 2019. Uh, you don't know me, which I me and Ryan have already seen, but I'm gonna introduce to you guys because it's well worth a watch. There's a few moments where it's almost like a redemptive arc. Like you almost see this film that was maligned and this actress bless her. If there is a problem with this film, it's what happened to the actors during and after kind of the destruction of their career, especially especially, especially Berkeley. Especially Berkeley. Oh, she my heart melts for that woman. I love her so much. She's very sweet and obviously kind of coming from safe from the bell. I I mean I'm as an English um, as an English kind of As an English viewer, man. As an Englishman, I don't have that much knowledge of Saved by the Bell, but obviously kind of from being, or CSI. Yeah, or CSI. But yeah, again, like I've got no idea about either. I seem like almost like a, like an American sweetheart and then for her to kind of take a really risky role and then for her entire career just to kind of plummet. Um, it does seem quite just unpleasant, really, altogether. Mm. I'll have to admit I've not heard of any of the cast going into this. I've got a cast sheet here, but I've I have heard, heard of, of um, I'm going to say these wrong, but Kyle McLaughlin. McLaughlin? McLaughlin. He was in like Inside Out as a voice person. And, oh, right, um, okay. You know, stuff like that. And Gina Gershon, I've heard and seen her around. Um, Lynn... Tucci? 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 She was um, Anita DeMarco in Orange is the New Black. See, I saw oh, her, right. but I don't remember who that is. Like, I've seen Orange, but I can't remember who that is. She was um, one of, I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she was one of like the Latino gang, and um, she was like the very motherly one. Uh, um, maybe. But it's I thought I recognised her face, and that's that's where she's from. But I've, again, I've not seen any of the others, really. No, no. Else. It's, like... That's the thing. Like, I think it did a lot of problems for people's career rather than benefits. It, it's a strange one. I kind of I don't want to talk too much about it before you guys have seen it, because it's one that I think is really, really more beneficial going in completely blind. I don't know if you agree with that, Brian. Or... Well, then why don't we go watch it? You don't know me. You don't know me. But it is brilliant. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, wait. Ryan, where are you from? <laughs> Different places. You guys will get that soon. <laughs> um, right, what I think we're going to do, guys, is have a quick watch of the trailer, and then we'll be back with you very soon. Yeah. And we'll have a little discussion about what we think about the trailer, and then we'll get into the film. What are you going to Vegas for? You gonna win? I'm gonna dance. You're a fucking stripper. Don't you get it? I'm a dancer. You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. We're auditioning tomorrow morning. I think you should try out. So we've just come back from watching basically boobs the trailer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> boobs the trailer. I, I have thoughts on this, right? This trailer is the perfect metaphor for the goodness, badness of this movie. Explain. The first half, I was watching it being like, this is so much more tasteful than what the movie is. Like, if this is the movie that was meant to be oh, made, God. it looks like everything looks stylish, it looks intense, it looks like it's going to be satirical. And then the music kicks in halfway through. <laughs> and the second half of the trailer is the showgirls that I know and love. Girls just it's, get knocked through. It's like one step from away from being a porno. Like it's so it's pretty much softcore porn at this point. Um yeah, it's, it's a hardcore porn at this point. Uh, it's 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 
it kind of I think for me again it just kind of encapsulates everything that's brilliant about this film like it's, it's just so, so the trailer that unabashed. we just yeah. watched when was that is that did you say that was fan made or is that no no I think a... it, I mean the trailer we watched is, is full nudity I'm assuming that would have been a red band trailer which is kind of when they they played in, in front of R rated movies and shit like that so like audiences who can see tits um, <laughs> will see that trailer there'll be like a green but there's a green band which is the universal for all and there's a red band which is like the one when that, you have that naughty word tits it felt like a Tale of Two trailers there. I know what you mean. Like the first half was like the sort of really rhythmic bass line trying to yeah. create a stirring of sort of tension. Yeah, or it was good, right? With really underwhelming dialogue thrown in there for good detail. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the second half was just gratuitous nudity for the sake of gratuitous nudity. And it kind of boasted about, mm. you, know, basic, you think basic instinct was, was bad, this is worse sort of thing in terms of the content. Definitely captured my interest though. I'm definitely like, there's, um, what? There's almost like a tonal problem as well in the trailer where I think you two have picked up on it, especially like it almost wants to go for this like mystery thriller vibe at the start. And I'm like, that's not this movie. This movie's, yeah, this movie is, it is unabashedly just sex. And I think from my perspective, that's where it works. From obviously from Ryan's, that's where it doesn't work. But we'll probably give, get more into that after we've watched the film. I, and I, watch can, I can see everyone's kind of, kind of quite eager uh, to get on with it, so let's let's go let's go watch some showgirls. Let's, let's, go, right? let's fucking do this. Ryan's excited. I'm not. Jack's not. <laughs> Jack's already asleep. <laughs> yeah, Jack's already asleep. Fuck yourself. Oh, Jack. actually, yeah. Before we before we start, are we going to do a, a bet on whether or not Jack's going to fall asleep during this one? I think he's not. Oh, I think no. it's midday. Yeah, it's yeah. too early you know in the day. We've it's, made a mistake. It's one p.m. I don't think so. Um, I'm wide awake. <laughs> you, you do. Should get him comfy. Yeah, I'm going to eat those words. We are going to we are going to put him like so, like absolutely lather him in like blankets and shit. Okay, and just, We'll get the night. I'm 26. <laughs> I'm not 70. I'm not geriatric. We yet. won't have bed. You'll get yourself to bed before. Say, so you woke up with a bad spine this morning, so. Yeah, we're ragging quite oh, a Oh, temporarily. Oh, temporarily. <laughs> That's how it starts. You know, he just ran there. Just woke up. All downhill from here, mate. I was playing Cyberpunk all night. Bye, bitches. Yeah, see you in a bit. It's either se- they, they're either constantly going to fuck or they're constantly going to murder each other. All right, welcome back, guys. We have just come back from watching Showgirls. I think we're all kind of dying to talk about it. Pretty desperate. Um, we've got some uh, very interesting opinions around the table. I, you know what? Actually, so. I haven't really managed to gather what everyone thought about it. I mean, I think I've been pretty vocal as to how I feel about it. This, watching it again has kind of reaffirmed how much I love it. But we'll start with our little 30-second roundup of the plot. And I think, Ryan, you're going to take us yes. away on the roundup. Because, again, yeah. Since how I picked this movie, I'm going to be professional about this. So hope you're all prepared. <laughs> Disclaimer, though. Everything that I say, imagine it acted at a thousand. Imagine, and... imagine that you are Elizabeth Berkeley and you are topless and you, you, your titties are swinging. Yeah, the titties are swinging everywhere. Like, you're an absolute bitch to everyone for some reason. That's endearing. Be in that mind frame. Ryan is reading this as he's holding a knife to us. (laughs) (laughs) So, Normie Malone moves to Vegas. Broken alone, she meets and moves in with Molly, who interns at the Stardust as a fashion designer. There, she meets Crystal, the top performer at the Stardust. Crystal becomes infatuated with Normie and sets out to make her a hoary protege. <laughs> Normie also meets our love interest, James, who wants to be a professional dancer. She's hot and cold with him all the way throughout, and ultimately they do not get together, and that's just a complete bust. <laughs> but Crystal gets Normie apart in the show at the Stardust. Goddess. And goddess, Normie begins to lose her way, though. 
she sees one of the girls, sabotages another one, and after fucking Zach, Crystal's squeeze and the entertainment director. I'm really sorry, Hannah was trying to sneeze. Oh my god. So she fucks the entertainment director, who's also fucking Crystal, because she's the top dog. <laughs> top dog. dog. She is from Texas. She is from Texas, yeah, that's why. That, that was purely why I did that. <laughs> Nori ends up pushing her down the stairs anyway so she can steal her spot and become famous herself. Once she becomes famous, though, Molly, her best friend, gets raped, as as you do. Absolutely. Molly's the only nice character, so that is a nightmare. So Nori realises that fame's just not worth it. She sets out, she kicks the rapist's ass, quits her job at the Stardust, resolves the sexual tension she's had all the way throughout this movie with Crystal, gives Molly a sweet little bye-bye, and then sets back off on the road after finding herself. Ooh. She might or may not get her suitcase back. We don't know. I hope in Showgirls <laughs> 2 when they eventually do the sequel. I just pulled that knife out, so she'll probably was... definitely go back. <laughs> and they're not doing a sequel. I think that was confusing. Yeah, that's you wanted to. I would have watched it. I would have watched yeah, it. I would have definitely watched it. Or something like that originally. I'm all about that life, Jack. Can we try and try and find out whether or not we, we can... Can we make I, the movie? Can no, we get the rights to the script? I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass on that. <laughs> really quickly, I'll, I think I'll, I'll start. That's okay, guys. Just I'm, I'm coming probably from a different angle to you three. I don't think this is a bad movie at all. I think this is... Without a doubt, the most misinterpreted film in history of film. Uh-huh. And <laughs> you're already disagreeing with me. And yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, it's bad. And yeah, there are there are so many elements of it that are cartoonish and over the top and played. I mean, every single character in this is played at a hundred. They're either always punching someone or kicking someone or stabbing someone. Nobody does anything the way a reasonable human being would. But, except Molly. Except Molly, who is the only yeah, the only grounded character in the whole film, and unfortunately she's the one who gets like the, the worst treatment. And we will get to that. I don't think this is a perfect film. I'm not gonna hit, sit here and, and defend it as a perfect film. It's fucking not. But I do think it's 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 in its own way it's a bit of a sub- subversive masterpiece with regard to kind of like how to approach satire. And I think because it's so animated, Brian's shaking his head. Because it's so animated, because it's so extreme, it just it, it encapsulates kind of a really, for me anyway, a good interpretation of misog- misogyny in film and, and how to approach that from a satirical okay. angle. Frame of reference, okay? Uh, yes and no. So some of the <laughs> script is awful. For example, Molly. Naomi gets suitcase stolen, comes sprinting over the road, disregards the fucking jaywalking laws, starts smacking this car, random person's car, turns out to be Molly. Molly's like, oh, it's okay, I'll take you in. Molly asks where she's from. Naomi loses her sh- Naomi loses her shit. We do it again. I know we did it in the first part, but can we do it again? Can we ask ask where you're from? Where are you from? Back east. From where back east? Different places. <laughs> she literally throws the food off the table, and this isn't no, a problem it's, it's, for Liam. Do you know what? It's not even the fact that she throws the food off the table. She throws the chips at herself. And they go everywhere. I mean, just, everything goes everywhere. Even even before she throws it, she's like applying ketchup, and the ketchup most the ketchup goes on her fucking lap. <laughs> she's just like, so fucking vigorous with all the bad montage of the people just doing everything ultra aggressively, yeah. and that's just how she is for the entire film. But again, I think she's it, it's a it's a interpretation from my angle of a really pulpy kind of almost like Andy Warhol esque caricature. Like she's not meant to represent a human, but she's meant to represent an extreme of this version of show, like showmanship and this version of, of what fame does to people and the, the search for fame, what that will eventually oh, turn so people into. 
I thought you were going to be on my, my side, Hannah. As, I, I, as we were watching this, I was looking over at Hannah, and she was really enjoying this. I mean, you, you can all agree with this point. Like, there is not a moment in this where you can look away without missing something. Like, this is every single oh, scene. Oh, it's is. non-stop. But I would let like, Hannah, the reason that Hannah's here is to give the woman's opinion. That's the only reason she's here. Like, <laughs> nothing talking. else matters. What, watching this, I want your opinion on the director, because... I'm like, it's a man trying to make like a feminist movie. I don't know how well that usually turns out. I want your opinion. No, I don't I don't know if that's it at all, to be honest with you, because the, the showgirl-ness and everything, don't get me wrong, like there's there's a lot of sex and nudity mm. and it's all a bit much. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with Liam's earlier comment where it's like an, an alien trying to tell us what sex <laughs> should be like. It just that, that waterfall scene towards the end where she's just gyrating backwards and yeah Ryan's doing an impression I know you can't see it but, but it's, it's just hypnotic it's it, like it is hypnotic I'm, I'm in both camps I'm, yeah. I both loved it and can totally see why it's it's is listed as a bad movie Told you. but at the same time <laughs> <laughs> no at the same time it's, it's like an X-rated burlesque it's just burlesque on crack like it's it, it was captivating That's... which I think is what yeah. It was meant to be. It was meant to captivate you. You can't like, say that it's not entertaining at the very oh, least. No, no, if I'm you are say. rating a film on how entertaining it is, mm. then it top marks. If you're rating a film on the plot, but I get into, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I want to get into this and, and, and how I don't think, initially anyway, that the reviews, I think, were really disingenuous for this because a lot of the reviews to start with came out during the 90s. They, they almost showcased what I think Verhoeven was trying to get at. A lot of the reviews focused on Berkeley's acting, a lot of them kind of commented on how she looked. and I mean, even we had this discussion that it, it's not sexy. We watch this film and there's these sex scenes and the scenes where everyone's topless and it's so unsexy. And no, nothing. you're absolutely right. It's yeah. like, as I was saying in the film, when a horror film tries too hard yeah. to scare you, it becomes unscary. I remember like seeing Paranormal Activity mm. 2 in the cinemas and it was so, it tried so hard to be scary that everyone just started laughing in the cinemas. And once you flick that switch, yeah, it's just everything's just fucking funny. And it was like that with that. It was yeah. it tried so 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 hard to be sexy that it just wasn't, in my opinion. But like, take I'm taking taking something like RoboCop, something another from, film from Verhoeven's back catalog, which is hyper hype. I don't know how well you guys remember it, those who've seen it, but it's hyper hyper violent. Like it yeah. is gory to the point of being so gratuitous. But there wasn't that much mentioned about oh, this is so distasteful because it's so violent. If we ignore the sex for a moment and think, is there a message here? Is is it well filmed? Because it is. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, camera work absolutely. and cinematography yeah. is good. Yeah, Lighting is good. We can we can probably and we will argue about the acting because I actually think the acting is on points. Yeah, I think Gina we get Gershaw, it. my favorite. Favorite, yes. favorite. She is the goddess of yeah. the show. Well, I think you were saying around that she, you think she gets the assignment better than anyone else, right? That was kind of the, the takeaway from that. Yeah, she. It, looking at it, she's almost drag queenish in look mm. as well as acting. It is so over the top. She knows what movie she's in. Oh, yeah, I'd say she, she felt, was excellent. She felt totally apt. The character felt like it was played out. To play but I don't think Berkeley. I mean, I think we're going to have some disagreements on Berkeley's performance. But I think you think Berkeley's performance is is exactly where it needs to be. It's, I think Normie's the problem, not Berkeley. Normie starts at a hundred from beginning to end. I do agree. Everything she does. I do agree that I, I don't know whether this is the sense of trying to make Normie a hero of the story and she's definitely not. She's so no. unlikable. She's the most unlikable character mm. in the whole film and in my opinion. Try and give her that arc at the end and I do actually want to comment Oh, on... except maybe the rapist, sorry. Well, yeah, he's probably a, bit, yeah. a little quite, bit more he's unlikable. Quite, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. He's, he's quite unlikable. We'll give her, you, are, you are slightly more likable than a rapist. Well done, Nomi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think getting on to that point actually because I actually think where I lose a bit of my enjoyment of the film is towards the end is that last like 15 minutes oh whether it changes genre three times well it does that (laughs) 
But it also has this moment where you kind of you you get this redemptive arc for Nomi, and I don't think it's earned. Like they have the scene where she, like Molly, her friend, gets raped. Uh, and then Nomi kind of goes to confront the rapist and beats the shit out of him, basically. And we're kind of meant to celebrate this as like, oh, this is a big victory. And I don't know how you guys felt, but I felt it was, it was probably it's the weakest. It's not real justice. Yeah. yeah. It's meant to be yeah. an empowering moment, but it doesn't feel like it's gratifying. Because it's not empowering yeah. Molly, it's empowering Nomi. But I suppose yeah. you also, towards yeah. the end of the film, you find out Nomi's background, finally, mm. and you find out that it was pretty brutal, like a, a dad killed a mum and then killed her, and mm. then, like, and she was arrested in every even. city for being a whore. Yeah. And it's just yeah, shoehorned she... in within the last ten minutes of the film, yeah. it felt like. And it seems like quite a big plot point for Nomi and for the creation of the character and how she is how she is, because she's mm. had to fight her way through life constantly. She she doesn't want to be called a whore because that's what she, she yeah. had to be to help herself grow up and all this sort of stuff, and I feel... I feel like Nomi could have been a lot more understood and maybe a lot more sympathetic mm. or, or empathised with had that plot point come in a bit earlier and you just sort of understood why she acted how she acted. Whereas it's not. It's shoehorned in at the, at the very end yeah. and sort of the whole thing is just Nomi going mental for what <laughs> yeah. seems like sometimes no reason whatsoever. Um, <laughs> well, it doesn't seem like it is for no reason whatsoever. She's crazy. I thought it was a staggering amount of continuity errors as well. Like, like that bit where she's... You never ever see a drink in her hand, but then she suddenly just spews <laughs> and can't walk in a straight line right at the start. Well, she constantly has yeah. a hamburger in her hand as well. There's, yeah. like, there's, there's these weird motifs that they use. The girl that fell on her ass and broke her leg yeah. as well. That was like, she literally landed square on her ass and, and then had a broken leg in the That's, next scene. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the motifs of the, the hamburgers, the, the, she's constantly eating bags of chips and she's constantly talking about their nails. I almost feel like it was like written by a man who doesn't know how women speak. But it's like they're constantly talking about nails. Like, is this? Yeah, but then again, when you when you listen to the actual dialogue, there's not a lot of depth in any of it. No. Like, I think it's all very sort of surface mm. level. And these guys are showgirls, and um, so they're they're very much like dressing up and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. I do agree, there's no sort of which lends, depth to it. Which lends to my argument. This is why I think it's so brilliant. Is because I don't think there's meant to be that depth there. I think they're meant to be caricatures. Every single person in the film, bar Molly, is a stereotype. If you're a man, you're either a creep or you're gay. If you're a woman, you're a bitch. But like, I, I feel like that's the angle he intended to take. And I think there is something slightly empowering about that, like the ability to play a stereotype, especially from Berkeley's perspective, who, play, who spent her entire childhood playing like these, these like, innocent sweetheart mm-hmm. in Saved by the Bell. I almost feel like it's like this vilification of sex on cinema that violence doesn't get. And I feel like a lot of people's criticism was, oh, it's it's... It's trying to be sexy, but it's not sexy. That's not. I don't know if that's the criticism I want to take away from it. I feel like there's more to the film because there are themes in this. There are themes of kind of redemption and and fame and how fame leads to corruption and things like that. It's not a hollow film. No, not at all. Especially you know towards the end, Gina Gershaw completely forgives Naomi for mm. Naomi. Oh, sorry, Naomi. Honestly, destroying her career. And did a fucking holiday. Was basically the <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of Easy wrap. Let's just sweep that under the rug. Yeah, like we've already got ten minutes left on the clock. Let's just tie this up. Gina was probably still trying to fuck her at the end. That's why. She was. Oh, she was oh, she well was so into her. But who wouldn't be into Gina Gershaw either? Like, yeah, all oh, right. How did yeah. she resist? No, I have started coming around. To your way of thinking in terms of the director. Verhoeven. What my way of thinking. Yeah, I think Verhoeven as a director did a good job rewatching it again. I think most of the issues that I have with the scripting and the actual character of Normie herself. She has very little depth to her. And like I said at the end, the shoehorning, all this pain and drama from like a previous life, and we don't care at that point because the movie's over. Yeah. We're already invested in who she is. We've got to know over two hours' time 
doesn't matter at this point. It felt like there was no plot for about an hour, and then all of the plot was squashed <laughs> in the last 15, 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah, speaking of plot, what the fuck was the point in James? What did he add to this movie? They dropped him. They, dropped, they literally were like, right, you're gone from the movie. Was Bye. he the love interest? He was the, yeah, the one uh, that she was... Can we even call it a love interest, really? I don't quote, know if unquote. it was meant to be the whole aspiring for his dreams mm. and stepping on everyone so that he could get there and it finally sort of turning around and biting him in his ass because he ended up getting the girl pregnant and having to work in a grocery store and his dreams were... Mm. Um, but that's that's a stretch. That's me really wanting there to be a plot point in it and for them to have put the, him in for a reason. But I, I, I don't, know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think as far as the ending goes, I think the ending is cynical. I don't think it really earns its redemptive arc that it's going for. I think I love this movie up until the last 10 minutes. Like, I, I, I don't, there's no, there's no guilty pleasure for me for any of this, I think Berkeley's captivating the entire way. We did have a quick discussion of like what our favorite scenes were in this actual thing. I know for a fact mine was the doggy chow scene, which is just a, <laughs> so bafflingly. Doggy chow. So, so anyone who hasn't seen the film, if you haven't seen the film, please do go watch it. There's a scene where Gina Gershon's character and Elizabeth Berkeley um, they go for a meal together, kind of mid mid performance. They're, they're like rehearsing and they go for a meal instead, and they have this full conversation. It's like this ten minute conversation where they're talking about how they both like to used to like to eat doggy chow, um, which if you don't know, actually, is a recurring kind of motif in Verhoeven's films. He references, like, dog food in a lot of his old, like, Dutch films. The ones he used to make back in his, uh, back, back in Dutch? But why? <laughs> Dutch! <laughs> um, but, again, it just, it lends itself to how strange this movie is. Because there's this scene, and what did that scene really add? I mean, they have that discussion about being whores, or whatever that, that entails. And Nomi's, like, confident that she's not. I don't know, they seem to they seem to reference food and, and mm. the difference, like you've got the whole rice and vegetables and then yeah. the burgers that Nomi's constantly eating and then they go on to both admit that they love doggy chow. I don't know if it's both to represent that they both come from the sorts of backgrounds where maybe that was all they maybe. could afford or something along those lines and they both sort of it's... had to claw their way up. But... <laughs> I'm sure a tin of beans is the same price as dog food though. But it doesn't not... taste <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a choice. That's no, they not both, like, oh. But this is the thing, they both liked it. They were both saying how they miss it and they, they absolutely love it. I think, again, it's the first tender moment we get between these two characters. It's the first time they ever actually really see eye to eye and it's over a tin of dog food. It just lends to how fucking bizarre this whole movie is. <laughs> One of my dad's mates used to be dog biscuits though. Just, it does happen. Just for the <laughs> <laughs> just, it, does, it does happen. You know? is, your, is your dad a showgirl? Is your dad's friend a showgirl in Las Vegas? Mm, I don't think he's quite got the figure for it. Oh. But, uh... but yeah, I think, again, the the relationships, the the acting, everything is played so extreme. that First of all, it, you can't turn your eyes away from the TV for a second. It's so bafflingly beautifully... And again, it's it's beautifully shot. Like it, Again, mm-hmm. the, the scenes, fantastically put together, fantastically choreographed. There's like these angles where the bad guys are like standing in front. I don't know if he's like, there's like a scene where he's like framed with the backdrop for Goddess with the volcanoes in the background. And it's like the, the whole stage is like steeped in red. It's such like a super, like a, like almost like a Bond-esque villain scene. Mm-hmm. But it's gorgeous. And there was absolutely no fucking need for them to the, be on the stage. He just, yeah. and then he, he answers the phone and goes, I'm on the stage. I'm on the stage. Well. <laughs> like, fuck me. Like, yeah, subtle. It's, yeah. Kyle McClane though is a big actor. He's been in a lot of different things. I know he's I said he's I a voiceover. He's been in How I Met Your Mother. Um, he's been in Desperate Housewives. Is he like it? the only one? Well, one of the only actors who this film's career, hasn't career been. yeah. Honestly, have a, have a little research about the reviews that came out when this film came out. Most of them were leveled at Elizabeth Berkeley's appearance rather than her acting abilities and any anything like that. Which... Well, you can draw comparisons to that right now with Captain Marvel. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like this is still happening today. I think that's a really good talking point actually to 
Oh, thank you. Uh, thank well, you. <laughs> I thought you were going to elaborate a bit more. Well, well, I would, but you were like, oh, yeah, great point. Let's yeah, jump on that. And you're just like, right. cheers, mate. Say the Captain Marvel line again. <laughs> I still don't understand what everyone's beef is with the Captain Marvel thing with Brie Larson. I don't really get it. Oh, Brie Larson with, with, the, with the kind of, there was a Twitter tirade that happened against her when she, I think the, the thing was like people were telling her to smile more was the thing in her posters and in the film. Like, she wasn't smiling enough. Like, that's the takeaway from that. And if you just look at, like, Facebook, and it happens pretty much any time it's going to happen now with the new Black Batman, it happened with Miles Morales when that was already an established mm-hmm. thing. It's a woman, it's a black character, yeah. you've changed it, it's wrong, it's not what we're used Why to. Why does she need to smile more? No, that's this is not the thing. in her character and, whatsoever. And people that were trying them. to boycott like, full-on boycott her being Captain Marvel because she wasn't smiling enough. But it's like this, this preconceived notion of femininity and, and female identity that people should aspire to. And when someone like Elizabeth Berkeley does this really provocative role, people people attacked her for it. And I think that is the real takeaway from this this saga of, of what Showgirls is. I think we've come to a good place now. Obviously, me and Ryan have seen the documentary. We're at a good place now where this film is really appreciated in, in the circles that you appreciate it. A lot of it, a lot of it, queer circles like LGBT circles, like people. Uh, yeah, they identify with yeah. that whole normally trying to find herself, moving away, having to make her own family and decide who she loves. Mm. I think it'd have been interesting to have something maybe like like Magic Mike or something come mm. out at the same time. I wonder what Absolutely. the reaction would have been to to that because obviously it was very similar. Even I mean, now, like you, you don't see Channing Tatum. The thing with the, the Brie Larson thing as well, she was one of my favorite people ever when she kind of responded to it on Twitter. She like photoshopped a bunch of the like old Marvel uh, posters, like the Iron Man posters, Captain America, but she like, she like, yeah, she morphed the guys to be smiling <laughs> and photoshopped, fucking stupid it looked. It is just like people have their preconceived notions of how women should act. It happens today and it's, it's absolute bullshit. And I just think Showgirls is another kind of testament to that. No, I think you got that spot on because it is shining a lens mm. and it is what is happening. It is real. It is true satire. So I think he absolutely hits the mark on that point. Again, my issue is a lot with just how fucking dramatic and over, over the top's fine. Dramatic is fine. Mm. That's just drag. I, mm. I love that shit. Mm-hmm. But fuck me. Is the writing bad? <laughs> Well, no argument, sir. If we go back to sort <laughs> of Everyone's like, agent shit. <laughs> oh, we, we, we're talking about favourite lines. That's, that's, a, that's an absolutely staggering one. But... Just, again, just feels so... There's no content. There's no need for it. It's just like... It just feels like someone felt like that needs to be shoehorned in. Must be weird not having someone come on you. Like, <laughs> shit like that. Like, what the fuck did that come from? Yeah. Um, I think one of my favourite scenes, or just any time she was in it, really... Was Henrietta? Henrietta, you stole mine, oh, bitch. Oh, she's good. <laughs> I, you do that. You do her justice. So, for anyone who hasn't seen Henrietta, is like almost like Nomi's drag mom. Like she's yeah. like yeah. It's who's... when it's when they come in and Nomi's in the the dressing room. They're like, oh, Nomi, your mum's here, and she obviously looks shocked. And you find out a lot later why she would be that shocked. Mm. Um, and she walks out, and it's Henrietta there, and they've got that huge embrace, and she's just always herself. She's brilliant. She's got the whole drag train trick where she moves her arms and the dress falls down and her boobs come Titties. off. Hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah, she, her and Al were the, well, Al, Al the club owner, maybe. Al was yeah. the club owner of where Normie used to work and Henrietta was, she was really old, but she she was the comedy act mm. and, oh, the way the tits pop out, fantastic, <laughs> but they are representative of the mother and father figure that Normie chose, hence, like, they go to visit her and stuff. So and even when Al says, you look like shit, she just takes it good humoredly. It's so fucked up that the father figure was the one who said it must be weird not having come on you. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it's come blow on him yeah. repeatedly. Not looking back in the club, even if you blow me. There are. I don't know how much you guys will agree with me because 
There are some genuinely wholesome moments, I think, especially with Henrietta yeah. and with Crystal at the very end. And Molly. And, and Molly. Molly. Mm-hmm. Although I hate saying that with Molly because I feel like she was the one who was worst oh, treated in the film. Yeah, the whole film, she just gets completely dicked yeah. on. Not really a redemption arc. I no. got revenge for you. That doesn't feel... Yeah. There's no catharsis there, is it? No, it it's wasn't like, proper revenge either, was it? She went and kicked the shit out of some guy. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's it's a bit of revenge. But revenge would have been getting the police involved. Yeah. Do you know what? I've been seeing him behind bars and that's never going to happen to another woman. Just because it happened to your best friend, you know, you should be caring about the whole yeah, women gonna, together kind of thing. You you're know, giving this dude a black eye. He's going to probably mm-hmm. carry, It's not going to stop anything. Yeah. yeah, and especially she has nothing on the line anymore. You could be like, oh, yeah, she's a woman. She could, like, lose a career. No one will believe her. He's really famous. She's known as an ex-smack addict and a whore. But she was running away from Vegas anyway. She could yeah. have called the police, got them involved, and Molly might have suffered, but I think that would be Molly's decision. I think oh, it's um... a fucking complicated issue. That was that's all. <laughs> can we just backpedal? This is more philosophical than the film itself, I think. It is. We're trying to we're trying to deal with some some elements and themes that probably Still aren't dealt with as well. Don't realize why it was put in. Like, don't get us wrong. It was. I think it you have to have that balance. That horror, but it's it's there for Nomi to realize what her fame has done to her friends. I think, and that, that her selfishness has brought her there. But again, it's it's because everything revolves around Nomi. Everything in the plot revolves around Nomi. If the side characters had any more depth or weren't just 2D kind of almost like like place placeholders just mm-hmm. for Normie to play with. Everything is like Normie's toys and, and everyone around her is for Normie's benefit and for yeah. Normie's... We even have... Um, so there's the team at the Stardust who does the choreography, dancing for the girls, etc. We have Gay, who used to be a short girl, mm. married a dentist, learned how to do We couldn't tell whether her name was Gay or Gail the entire film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's Gay. Gay Carpenter. Gay Carpenter. And then there's Marty, who is gay, who does the choreography for the girls and he uh, like, helps them perform. I think he looks like Beaker from the Muppets. He does look a bit like Beaker. Ginger tufts on his head. <laughs> Even they, then, are there for Normie to play with. You see... Marty, when they're doing the montage of the dance, right in Normie's face every time, not bothering with everyone else, just telling her how to be better, how she can improve. And same with Gay, she's very like, oh yeah, this is how to make it in this industry, I'll look after you, like I'm not one of the girls, so you know I'm not going to try and stab you in the back. I mean, we that... all have a part to play for Normie. It feels a bit 2D, it does feel like a stage, yeah. doesn't it? Everyone's an NPC, as it were. That's it. It's just revolving and around her. Probably not an issue we can discuss with, uh, kind, of, kind of regarding our cultural background but um a lot of people do have issues with the way african-american characters are treated in the film that they're always these kind of helpful sidekicks almost it was, it was pre- oh no we, we go through the range here right really? so we have molly the helpful sidekick who was there to enrich in normie's life mm. and tell how great she is and how things can be better then we have the show girl who is sabotaged and um caused injury on stage and she's just the stereotype of the angry black lady absolutely all yeah. she's a screaming yeah. shout and swear Mm-hmm. And um, then you've got James as well, who his whole dynamic is that he's kind of a bit of a womanizer, a, bit of a, womanizer, a cheat, a, a slime ball, kind of things like that. No one is treated very well. Again, Molly is the only likable, remotely likable character in the in the whole film. The kind of the sabotage scene with the diamonds. I don't know how well you guys kind of knew it before, but that's again, that's kind of cemented itself in culture, I think, and it's a very iconic moment. The whole notion of there's always another bitch behind you on the stairs, like thematically. I think it hits its themes quite well. I think it hits its themes of fame is a fickle bitch. Fame doesn't last. 
fame will come back to fucking get you. I think I think it does handle those things quite elegantly and, and quite well. Maybe not elegantly. I don't know. If you use what elegantly, which is essentially what they were saying. Like that yeah. guy who who wrote Molly, but completely yeah. was absolutely fine because he was a big That's shot yeah. and he was a dude and it just didn't matter. As, and... as far as satire of fame and of Hollywood, it, it, it kind of proves its own point. Even today, men get away with shit and women suffer. Like, it's the way the world works. It's, it's horrible. Favourite scenes? Yeah, I think this is the one I would have. Any, any scene with Henrietta, just absolutely <laughs> staggering. Staggering. <laughs> what about you, lads? I think my favourite bit might still be her attempt at eating chips. <laughs> French fries, <laughs> I guess, uh, as, a, as a fucking normal person at the start and just like ketchup everywhere, just launching them about. Either that or the first scene where they're at the club where they meet James. Where she's oh, dancing dance. like she's had about four ecstasy tablets and <laughs> about her speed. She's just like, just it's just like flailing limbs, like one it's of those. Like, yeah, I understand it's meant to be like, oh, she doesn't know how to dance like a normal dancer. She only knows how to dance like an aggressive stripper. But even then, she's not dancing like a sexy stripper. <laughs> she's those? just aggressive. Oh, wacky wave and inflatable arm flailing yeah, arm, man. Yeah, it's not just dancing. Like... Every scene, the striptease scene, she's doing the exact same thing. The sex scene in the pool, she's fucking flailing around like a shark. She's like, yeah, it's like Ch- Chandler from Friends' wet dream because it's just a shark porn thing, isn't it? She's just fucking thrashing. <laughs> you know, we're, we're to get in the bath and thrash. <laughs> Thanks, Danny DeVito. Sorry. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I tried to do Monica there when it came out. Danny DeVito. Again, you get like really, really random shit. Like, why, why, why are the monkeys everywhere? There's monkeys fucking everywhere. Jeez. So I did read something about that, actually. Apparently, the female actresses who were all, all of the showgirls were yeah. really... The only part they found really daunting about the film or really kind of uncomfortable uh-huh. was the monkeys because apparently they just stare at their boobs in the dressing room and the monkeys are just staring. <laughs> oh, the horny little said, buggers. They said it was really kind of unnerving. At least someone <laughs> found the movie sexy. I was about to say, yeah, the, the monkeys were probably the only ones who actually found this a sexy experience. You didn't even get like a clip of like what, the, the monkeys performing or anything like that. Yeah. They were just, they just thrown through into the dressing room, room. Like, at some point. I mean, point you, you and... can like figure it out, like, obviously that must be another show, but they didn't tell us that. They were just, oh, here's some fucking monkeys. Oh, there was some monkey shit on the stage. It's I just... thought that was going to play into it nah. as well. I thought they were going to fall on nah. some because it, they made it sort of like a That'd key line and then... It's constantly shifting tones in that last 15 minutes. Moving on to kind of final thoughts with this. For me, anyway, I don't think my thoughts have shifted. I still think this is an underrated masterpiece. I think it's misread. I think, yeah, of course it's bad. It's It's hideous. It's disgusting. It's like so disgusting you feel like you can almost smell the, the sweat from the scenes that the movie you're in. Like you can pretty much smell Gina Gershon's ass like it's freshly baked bread. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Do you think it smells? <laughs> I, I don't know. I've got no idea. <laughs> Very contextual. <laughs> this is a smelly movie. No. Um, so again, but I think all that lends to just how fucking brilliant this whole thing is and how well Verhoeven creates his satire. It's extreme to the point of being so pulpy that it's almost unbelievable watching it. You almost kind of feel like you're on this really bad acid trip. You're like, I have no idea what the fuck is happening, but I love every second of it. I think it's much more intelligent than what people are giving giving it credit for. I think there are some deep running themes there. Whether or not they're all successfully followed through on, I think the end is uh, probably the weakest part. I think a lot of the way it tries to wrap up doesn't quite hit the mark. But I do think it's a pretty exceptional uh, satire from beginning to end. I think it works on the level of a good, bad movie. And I think you can enjoy it from that perspective as the best words. You can sit down and you have a few beers. You know, you'll have a great time watching this. Do like a drinking game every time. Just no don't watch it with your family. Just don't, maybe don't watch it. Yeah. Jesus Christ, don't do that. Um, 
But I think I think for me, I'm falling a little bit further on the. This is actually a genuinely great film for me. I I love the hell out of it, and I will be watching this again probably quite at some point in the future. I agree with caveats. <laughs> of course. So, <laughs> like, look at Starship Troopers. That is a fantastic movie. I think everyone's in agreement there. It's not just because it's violence and I find that acceptable. It's a super campy movie. It's really funny. And I don't think Showgirls is overtly funny. I think Henriette is overtly funny, obviously, because she's amazing. <laughs> and I think the acting's good. I think the directing is good. But again, look at certain things like Zach, the entertainment director. While he comes off pretty bad in the movie, he doesn't get any comeuppance whatsoever. He's still the entertainment director. All the white males in this movie come out absolutely fine. The black male has a shit time afterwards most of the females have an absolute shit time i think does anyone does any of the females come out with this movie well i mean normie kind of she's exactly where she started but she's got a better sense of herself she gets a suitcase back Gina oh, yeah. Herschel seems to be happy that she's finally kissed Nomi and that she's had a that was her entire that was her entire character arc was I just want to kiss off you yeah Yeah, I want to get she had to end up in the hospital for this to be to happen and that's okay that was worth it Mm. because she forgives Nomi it's yeah absolutely (laughs) I think you see a lot of repeating themes as well which are obvious literally as well when you look at Crystal beginning where she's getting shown off. They, they use the exact same descriptive words for her as what mm. they do for Normie when she takes a spot. Normie starts the movie exactly how she ends it, hitchhiking. I do think it's a good movie. I love this. This was my pick. It is my favourite. <laughs> but I think it would have been... It could have been a lot better if it wanted to be a serious movie that was taken seriously as a satire. Instead, it's ended up on this podcast as a best worst movie. So I think that's where me and you like differ because I think it's a successful satire. You think it's a failed satire. I think it's accurate, and I think the point of satire that it hits on is true and can be played upon as satire. I see it done relatively successfully, but I'm always left questioning whether is this actually what he set out to do, or is this just the actual male perspective that's happened? I know the director was happy with it. He watched it over 20 times. He said it's one of his only films he mm. continuously like was watched multiple times. He doesn't normally repeat his own films. I think it's a pile of piss. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, the script is utter shite. There's so many times where they tried to deliver subtext in a kind of subtle way, and it was mm. just the most dead palmed in your face. <laughs> There's just no, no subtlety, no gravity to it. Yes, everything was at 120%, and it was a good, entertaining film. Mm. It was, I can't deny it, was, it wasn't entertaining. I was awake for it, and that's... <laughs> that is the seal of approval. Jack's yeah. seal of approval is, I want to stay awake. So, yeah, it, it, from entertainment value, it was worth a watch. I don't regret having watched it. Would I ever watch it again? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I think I, I lie in between, sort of, it with entertainment value, absolutely. If you've not seen show, Showgirls, watch it. It's brilliant. Like Liam said, get a few a few beers in. It hits all those sorts of points. You'll be laughing. You'll be shocked. You'll be so mortified at times. Yeah. Um, but you won't be aroused, probably. Probably not. <laughs> no, the, probably one, yeah, not the, the one emotion thing. you won't feel is turned off. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's it's a great, great movie, as in sort of critic-wise. Well, you really can't <laughs> But I do think, you know, I, I think when a film's created, I don't think it should be created for critics. I think it should always be mm. created for entertainment. And for that, it hit every single point. Um, I think, you know, Nomi's a very, very complex character. Is she, <laughs> or is she, she's or not is complex she at all. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I am in two camps about it. She's either the most multi-dimensional character I've ever seen, <laughs> or she's just 
the worst. Wandy, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's just not even one dimension. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't quite know where it fits. I will definitely watch it again. Um, I, I did love. I, I really enjoyed watching it. It was it was brilliant. But um, yeah, I think there's some incongruity between everyone's vision for this movie. I think if I'm going to lay my blame at anyone's feet, it's going to be the script writer. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. We haven't actually talked about him very much. Obviously, there was a little bit of falling out between him and Verhoeven, wasn't there, prior to making this film? Uh, yeah, well, he did it as a favour, essentially, Verhoeven. Mm. Uh, he bailed on the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and somebody else, and he felt guilty. He didn't like the script initially, but was like, yeah, I'll do it for you. So you've got to question certain things about why he didn't want to do it initially. Like, come mm. on, script. <laughs> so was it with the, with the script I probably would agree with you I think especially in that last 15 minutes you see the flimsiness of the script really come through but I mean I, I still think this is fucking awesome I still oh, think you're all fuck fucking yeah. wrong showgirls on this ranking system that we have yet to not it's make arbitrary high. oh we have ideas oh shit we have ideas <laughs> this is going to go pretty high for me I will campaign for this to stay near the top of the rankings, and it took a while for the cult, the, like the cult of appreciation is kind of what I'm calling it to to develop for this. Like I don't think this really the the documentary came out last year, the You Don't Know Me documentary, which I think a few of us might cover uh, on a, on a separate uh, supplementary episode. There is a massive cult of appreciation. There was like a showing they did in um, Los I think it was Los Angeles a few years where thousands and thousands of people showed up, and and Berkeley showed up. It was the first time she sh- appeared to really discuss it all because this ruined her career kind of for a good twenty. 25 years. Spoiler alert, the scene where she's there is the cutest and most wholesome thing. Yeah, she gets her seen. applause. She does the, uh, you obviously can't see this is an audio broadcast, but she does like a little dance move, you know, the uh, where she waves a hand the wavy, the wavy hand dance Aww. move. And the whole audience is erupt. And I'm like, that's cute that, that we've come to this. Because she's, she's honestly, I think she deserves better than what she got. I don't think she was a terrible actress. She's not. She's not. She was very over the top. She was extremely over the top, but. I have a feeling that was more to, well it is it, it, it was the character it's who Nomi was I mean the first initial fight scene where she she walks away from it with that sort of maniacal smirk in her <laughs> and, and like she's like she's happy that she's caused this chaos she was that sort of over the top yeah. really cartoon. emotional cartoonish character and I think she she got that spot on I think we're all uh, I think we're all kind of we all understand each other's point of view I think here we're all we all had a great time watching this um, I think actually might be one of the, the the higher up as far as entertainment value goes that we're going to cover on this. <laughs> we will kind of call it there, I think, guys. I think we've had a, a nice little uh, discussion about the film. If you have enjoyed this episode, do make sure you kind of listen to our previous episodes. Uh, give us a check out on social media. I'll put all the links in, in the descriptions and whatnot. Uh, and check us out on the website as well, which will be www.badtastebuds.com. We'll have a quick little chat about what we're doing next week because I know I'm particularly quite excited for what's... What a... <laughs> and Jack is... <laughs> <laughs> the pretext to this guys um me and jack still haven't seen it uh, we did buy it once but we should tell them what it is first because you've oh, yeah. just whispered jellical cats <laughs> if you don't get it you don't belong here don't watch it. 2019's train wreck to, uh, tom hooper directed cats which i saw in cinema on like opening weekend because i'm a fucking monster uh, but yeah, these guys are going to try and sit through it a second. How, how far did you get through three minutes three minutes so like half we paid four pounds for it on amazon minutes. Uh, we watched three minutes of Jellicle Cats and Jellicle Cats and Jellicle Cats. Googled what Jellicle Cats was, got so Doesn't frustrated help. that I couldn't get an answer and just turned it I was on. like, fuck <laughs> this. Absolutely. I don't care. I've paid for it. I'd, I'd rather have the time back than the money back. Fantastic. I wish I could but take here some psychotropic drugs and watch it. So Jack's going to make sure he like yeah he, he takes some um, NyQuil right before watching it and falls asleep <laughs> in the first five minutes. 
And that'll be everything for this episode, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. We Bye. didn't do the ranking. <laughs> that was great. I gave a countdown and everything. <laughs>